Here at User Words Podcast, none of us are knowingly foolish. Okay, troll. Yeah, we, we have house. thousands of years of architecture we can go uh, over. Would here. you build your house on rock or sand? Knowing Brewer, sand because it's cheaper. Oh! <laughs> of course, sand. Speaking of Second Amendment, Mr. Uh, Brewer. Brewer, there, as I'm looking around and I see Johnson's gun and okay now i see yeah. brewer's gun as well mine's at home <laughs> hey 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 calm down so there's been a lot of interesting going ons with the second amendment here because you mentioned how the first and the second amendment to defend each other sort of deal i'm sure mr brewer that you have been keeping up on things because you'd like to keep up on things relating to second amendment gun stuff sort of deal Yes, no, maybe so. Am I am I, yes, am no. I uh, over optimistic here? I'm currently worried more about my uh, ability to finish school and get my certificates than I'm quite. It sadly enough, politics and media they make it so exhausting to try to keep up with them that you literally only focus on the articles as your entire. Uh, basis of ability to gather information. So if immediately if the title says this, they hopefully trigger your your tick in your emotional box. They get you fired up about this. They hope you never actually read and find out that the title has nothing to do with the actual body and information that they're presenting to you. Um, so long story, I do know some states have voted into permitless carry. Um, yep. And I am for that, and I'm a, and I am against it. So I can possibly okay. see where the politicians are getting their mindsets from. Um, so you're for it and against it. Now, like abortion, I expect it to be a little interesting on both sides. So I can understand why you're for it. Second Amendment, exactly. Is that correct? Just Second Amendment, open carry, or constitutional carry, I should say, not open carry. So, so for example, for people who may not see eye to eye with us, this is my mindset. If someone's going to attack you and they have any advantage over you, okay, and let's say they're five feet away, and the difference between you being assaulted, killed, raped, molested, whatever it may be, because you don't know if they're approaching you at five feet. Like, my distance to Paul right now, okay, is life or death for Paul. Yep. Now, Paul is much bigger than me, so he has a much better chance of being able to survive a potential attack from me, depending on what I would... If I would, if I just want to uh, rob him, Maybe. all he has to do is give me his wallet. If I want to do anything else to Paul, let's say I want to torture. Let's say you want to keep it completely... Oh, wow. You know, there's nothing sexual involved. Let's say I just want to <laughs> torture him. Let's say I want to pull his uh, nails off or whatever. Let's say I want to... I, yeah. There are some crazy people out there. I, I know, but yeah, I know. I'm sorry, next to one. But it, <laughs> go on. <laughs> You're one to speak. <laughs> uh, but anyways, Paul literally has a split second to decide potentially his life. What a firearm does for those who may or may not agree, or may or may not have the same perspective as me, a firearm equals the playing field. And it's a great equalizer. As it's that's the intent of it. The intent of it is not to kill the attacker. 
it's not okay. as it's not as David Hogg said uh, that you go around and kill humans. No. I don't know if you caught the, his latest little tweet kerfuffle. I oh. completely disregarded that guy after because you could just totally tell it was politically motivated. Oh yeah, he has no qualms about hiding that it is politically motivated. Um, he recently put out a tweet. He's like, "Well, you need a license to." Uh, kill deer why don't you need a license to kill humans because i'm not trying to kill him what that but he's being he's being you know trying to get grab you the attention he's being headline seeking i take that back clickbait in a sense my license not even not even not even to kill people i mean i don't want to kill people i don't know anymore <laughs> bro i hunt because a it's required for the environment it's co- required for civilization and as well as i'm gonna eat what i shoot because it tastes good I mean, for those of you who are against hunting hunting is required to keep the uh, ecosystem in balance and for those of you who have any sort of doubts in that look it up and for those of you who refuse to look it up because you refuse to admit that hunting is actually required, you're the problem. If, for example, if too many deer exist, not enough food for the deer, and the deer are forced to come into our neighborhoods. Likewise, if deer are forced to come into our neighborhoods because that many of them exist, what happens? Disease spreads like wildfire because they're A, they don't have nutritional balance like they should for their immune systems to problem to to um, perform like they should. And B, with so many malnourished deer, this is just deer. This is not including any other species in the mm-hmm. animal kingdom in the state of Wisconsin or wherever you may be from. Uh, now you have disease spreading like wildfire. You potentially could have new diseases arise from that. And the last thing you need is disease jumping from species to species to species especially if it can jump to humans. So in essence, there's actually a science to it. DNR has proven it. X amount of deer need to be killed, and most good hunters try to kill them as ethically as possible, meaning one shot is all that was required to end their life as short as possible. That's the goal of a, of a, of a, a, a proper hunter. And there's a lot of us because we don't want them to experience pain. And we want, we have a X amount of target that we're supposed to eliminate out, out of the, their living requirements. There's, there's a whole science to it. Trust me. It makes more sense if you do research on it on your own, because I can't tell you all about it in this a, because I'm not fluent in it, and B, there's just that much information I don't want to take time from away from this podcast for. <laughs> but it is definitely worth, and FYI, we have less hunters every year in the state of Wisconsin signing up to hunt. So, if you want a higher chance of tool in your car, well, it's coming. Because <laughs> more deer are, are going to be able to cross the road well, this next year. And we're already pretty high up there, although West West Virginia beats us out for a number of car crashes involving deer. That's true. Yeah. 
Really? Yeah, me and Aaron were talking about it because we're talking about because we were inspired by your wife's trip to somewhere warm recently. And so we were talking about Florida and iguanas, frozen iguanas falling on cars and that. And that got us talking to about deer (laughs) accidents and that. But I mean, I mean, that's just it. Unfortunately, we wouldn't need to have a hunting scenario if humans weren't constantly repopulating and trying to spread into their habitat. So if you really want somebody to blame for deers having to die, you blame people who are buying houses in new suburbs. That's what you have to blame. The more we spread out, the more animals have to die. Guess that's ultimately the discussion. I yep. mean, if we don't, and, and, and believe it or not, folks, if we don't do it, no, that's serious. That's serious. <laughs> that's just how you said it. <laughs> uh, if we don't, as hunters take on wildlife you know it's a shame for a hunter to shoot wildlife illegally a there are those that are out there and those that you may listen you know who you are (laughs) but b to shoot wildlife and not take it or donate the meat in my opinion it is wrong too unless you can identify that the animal you aka harvested is diseased then there are appropriate processes in which you respond to the DNR on relating that information so they can take care of it to eliminate its impact to the environment. Right. Um, but yes, I can I can keep going on and on. <laughs> Hunting to. lessons. Hunting but lessons with Josh. Look it up. Look it up. It is needed for su- sustainability of the humans and uh, animals. Beyond the wonderfulness of hunting, then, and beyond the wonderfulness of David Hogg going, if you need a license to kill deer, why don't you need one to kill humans? <sighs> to me, okay. that's just BS. I mean, in all honesty, as a as a concealed carry holder, my goal is not to. Sh- I hope I can die before I have to shoot somebody. In all honesty, I do not want to ever have to shoot. I don't even want to have to even put a bullet in a human being for the potential. Of having to save my seriously, I mean, the only thing I ever want to put a bullet in is a deer because it is needed and because I want to fill my freezer. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, he likes that Bambi. Or, that or any other, she does taste really good. Um, <laughs> Bambi's a he. Uh, he, she tastes really good. <laughs> both um, of them, they're both good. <laughs> My goal is to hunt to eat, and if I end up getting more than what my freezer can handle, my plan this year is to donate it because that meat can easily go towards feeding a homeless shelter. That can easily go towards feeding some sort of government organization to where they don't have to buy processed cow. Um, they don't have to spend that extra money. If I donate to them, they get it for free. And depending on who butchers it, if I butcher it, cool. If I pay somebody to butcher it and I donate it free, I I took the chunk of money that it cost to butcher the animal. So that, yeah. you know, that's my mindset. Okay. Um, so. so let's get back to where we were originally before we not went off on Hunter Tangent. Because <laughs> you're like, I am both pro and against the uh, constitutional carry. Right. So, okay, yeah. I think the terminology of militia has changed over the years. I think it's been snuffed up underneath our nose. 
I don't quite agree with what the modern terminology is of uh, militia. Okay, what do you think is the modern terminology of militia? The modern terminology of militia this is literally straight for it. Um, a military force that is raised from civil populations to supplement a regular, a regular army in an emergency. Uh, 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 also, a military force that engages in rebel or terrorist activities in opposition to a regular army and an all able-bodied civilians eligible by law for military service. Um, I think it has changed in a sense of, to my knowledge, based on what I have learned through history, a militia is a irregular force. Okay. Without, um, trying to, trying to think of the word, trying to think of the word, um, without forced military serve. Okay. So in other words, you may have an officer that is ex-military or current military that helps to organize this town unit. Um, but the people in the militia are not required to do any sort of servitude other than that to reach a goal. So if it is a thing of uh, you serve this many times, you get X amount of money or in the time that this was written, we had slavery. Um, in various parts, it wasn't as popular. I wasn't say it wasn't as normal as it was after until after the war. But if you had, if you were a slave, I remember seeing it somewhere. I don't know if it was a me. That's a hard thing. And I can tell you something I saw in a museum and I have no way of citing it. And which mm -hmm. grinds my gears because I like to go to museums. Um, all right. So if you, so let's say, let's say you're, you're uh, a, a, a slave and yeah, you have the ability of fighting on behalf of your plantation, but because you fight in, fight in X amount of battles or X amount of time, you then achieve your freedom. Uh, but at any point in time, you can leave. That to me is a militia. A militia is some sort of military organization or organized by military in some force is some portion you can desert without consequences. For those of you who don't understand what the term deserting is, it is to leave without permission. Uh, so common day, I don't think America, uh, the American military does it, but they do do it to a point of some sort of consequence. If you desert, let's say you join the army and you desert, there is some form of consequence that. Oh yeah. Follows. You're going to be, you're going to be brought up on charges. You're going to be court-martialed. Exactly. Now, in some countries, I can't tell you for sure. Again, like I say in any podcast, always do your own research. Because um, these guys can always take comments on correction or new information um, that may become evident than what we were uh, taught to in our in, in current years. Oh, or heck, we, I, I've even scrapped whole episodes of recorded because I was like, yep. Facts have changed way too much afterwards. Exactly. There's not, exactly. So do your own research and present the data to us. Present it to yourself so you are better educated and we may be better educated too because that's the last thing the government wants. Um, but <laughs> in certain countries... <laughs> go on, go on. Um, but at a certain point in time, I think it was World War One that if you deserted, you were shot on sight. Okay. Um, so in some places, I don't know about today, but I know back in the day, if you tried to desert, the officer was uh, required to shoot you dead. Okay. So let's bring it back. What What is the, your definition of militia? 
My definition of militia is an able-bodied group that may or may not be governed by a current or non-current officer of some sort of military rating, but has the ability to serve or desert in uh, whatever may be needed. Okay. Um, and Do this, you think that's the original meaning of militia? Nobody lived back then ever really to be able to tell, but I have a feeling you have something that might contradict me, so go ahead and say okay. what you want to say. So, the Bill of Rights, right? Yes. Was based on the Virginia Bill of Rights, mm. written by James Mason. Ah, a Mason. Yep. Uh, but he's one of the founding fathers, right? So, he actually wrote commentary on the Second Amendment. And what he defines as militia. Go for it. His definition of militia, and he wrote in his in this document, who are the militia? They consist now of the whole people, except for a few public officers. His view, the person who helped shape this originally in Virginia and the Second Amendment, viewed everyone, the whole populace, as militia. Whether put together in groups or not now it does say in the second amendment well regulated so it you know it, it, it a little more structured is probably what they're implying here but he does say that it's all citizens should be essentially armed but it is to serve as well so that's how george mason kind of kind of originally structured that and mm. When I say officer X, officer governing it, I'm talking about somebody who understands a portion of structure that is required for some sort of fighting force. Yeah. Because you, you're in honesty. I mean, throughout history, you have ragtag people trying to do stuff and it never really ends up good for them. In essence, in order for a fighting force to be able to succeed, there needs to be a level of discipline implemented into that fighting force. I mean, you can have a horde of thousands of people running with guns or with swords and shields, whatever time period you're talking about. But if there's no level of discipline and able to coordinate and to be able to apply tactics, you're just a bunch of uncoordinated people running. I mean, I'm trying to think of something. Let's say dodgeball. Let's say everybody's played dodgeball for the most part, right? For the if, most part, if, if it's a free for all and everybody grabs whatever ball they can or whatever throwing source or whatever projectile is used to launch to the other side to hit somebody to get them out, um, if anybody's just grabbing a ragtag, really, the only people that succeed are the people that actually have accuracy. You know, I mean, if the object is everybody throw back and forth, if 90% of the team doesn't have accuracy, and only 10% does, really only 10% are really actually hitting. Which historians could argue that yeah. the uh, line battles were not only the most honorable form of fighting, but the most effective form of fighting. Um, honor battles are line regiment regulated to where the entire uh, garrison company I'm not a army specialist to be able to tell you the differentiating right you know but pretty much group of people group of people approach each other on a battlefield and exchange either hand-to-hand warfare firearms spear arrows whatever it may be they exchange exchange 
until they're told to retreat or the morale because they're freaked out that they're going to die so quickly and they retreat. In some eyes, that is the most honorable because you're approaching danger head on and it is the most effective because your forces get a taste of what's really going to happen to them right away versus skirmish warfare. Um, Because you can inflict somewhat even damage on both sides. Um, But to me, it's plain and simple, and I hate how many people try to manipulate it. A well-regulated militia, okay, Mm well-regulated, it could simply say a militia. A militia, in a sense, would mean any immediate joints of arms, right? I think we all can kind of simplify that uh, a militia is civilian-based. It's not somebody who volunteers or is drafted into the main body army, okay? Because at the time that the Constitution was written, we had... The Constitutional Army. We Mm -hmm. had the United States Army, which was separate from the definition of militia at the time. And so, if you're sitting there and it says well-regulated, then in a sense that implies, even if it doesn't imply, militia is in a sense a representation of the people. the, The representation of the people that choose to take up arms. Because nowhere in history did you have to grab a gun as a militia. Traditionally, it was the men, the farmers, company owners that would take up arms because their livelihood was at risk as the invading, whatever it may be, comes into the town. Now, another name that I've heard from militia is called Minutemen. Yeah. So Minutemen were kind of back in the day, especially back in your Civil War type, not Civil War. Sorry. Why did I say? Indian Revolution, Indian um, British War, they, I think they were more yeah. along lines of people who would quickly take up arms and shoot yeah. an invader without there being any sort of uh, uh, regular... Oh, they were in the Revolution War. I was right. Okay. Revolution I thought I was War. wrong there for a second. <laughs> but, but yeah, so essentially, uh, yeah, Minutemen were a militia, and they were able to get ready real quickly there, essentially. So, it, they were embedded in the towns that they were first, and they were kind of the first militia to arrive. Think I guess you could probably think about it as uh, the firefighters of Racine. Could be Minutemen. It wouldn't, in a sense, kind of be Minutemen. They're well, I mean, just, or, be or police, police officers. General, I think yeah. police officers would be a bigger example of Minutemen. Uh, no matter what the situation is, chances are nine out of ten they're the first on the scene. They have basic emergency well, teaching for them to be. No matter what happens to you. They can A, secure the situation, B, help keep you alive just long before the paramedics show up. Hopefully. Hopefully, depending on what you stupidly have done or have unfortunately walked into. When when it says a well-regulated militia, to me that means the militia is able to continuously practice what would be required of them in a situation Whatever that may be. But then it says being necessary to, to the security of a free state. Yep. I think for more than, I mean, besides all the potential, well regulated, it means the ability to continue practice. Now, a lot of people will sit there and talk about how uh, National Guard, in a sense, is the modern day militia. 
But to me, it's not. Because militia at any point in time, due to what I know about his, historically speaking, back then you could leave a militia. Yeah. There was no guarantee that you had to be on the line when the militia were called. The militia was pretty much a volunteer force governed by somebody who knew what they were doing, in a sense, leading them. Right. So, but so it really the National comes... Guard can't even leave the front line. Well, if the it, National Guard are called it, to service, they leave. That's called desertion. Right. So it comes down to the terminology of what does well defined mean. So, in the United States versus Miller, um, back in 1939, the Supreme Court defined militia as the militia is comprised of all males physically capable of acting in concert for the common defense. That That's from 1939, okay? Now, what does it mean by well-regulated mean? That implies nothing more than the imposition of proper discipline and training. Doesn't necessarily mean proper discipline and training of a group. It means proper discipline and training of your firearm. Okay. Either way, that way that works against anything that they put out today. So, in other words, in order for you to comply with that, from this reading of it, from uh, District of Columbia versus Heller and that, you should train with your firearm on a regular basis. And I think any, anyone and everybody should. Reason being, in a standpoint of, I wouldn't be surprised how many people have bought firearms and still have not put a bullet down the barrel. I, I honestly just wouldn't be surprised. You know, it's one of, I, I think, I think a firearm is one of those things to where people who are unexposed to it, it's just one of those scary things. The media paints it as scary. The be, the media paints it as something evil. Uh, it's just one of those things that until you get behind and you're able to understand how, it, how it, it works, a, it's a tool. It is it, a tool. It, it's, it's, it's a tool that has like a shovel. That's a killing weapon. But it's called a shovel. Yeah, it could be behead someone with it. Yeah. A gun. That could be a killing weapon. But it falls into the category of a firearm. Yeah. With a specific name, depending on what type it is. And once you realize how the, the firearm actually works and the safety is built into it and that, it makes it a lot... <laughs> like, okay, for example. Oh, for example. <laughs> while, while Mr. Johnson was in Colorado. I was. Yeah, you were in Colorado for, yeah. a, week, for a week there, right? Beautiful. Um, I was actually finishing up my class. I, I had my, um, actually my intro to pistol class and my concealed carry class that same week, both on the same week. That was entertaining to say the least, <laughs> especially going to the intro to, to pistols class. And mm. there were actually a lot of old people there in the class. Really? Yeah. Like I was the youngest in the class. Really? You're old. Shut up. <laughs> Be careful saying that to him now, man. Woo. No, do not do that. That doesn't fall under the fact that it's not a fear. I'm not fearing for my life. But anyways. Amy will be pissed because I don't have a life insurance policy. Just remember that. As soon as I sign for a life insurance policy, hey man, free game. She ain't going to be mad at me. She'll be mad at you. That's yeah, exactly. Mean. She'll be mad at you at your funeral. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, but so I was the youngest one there at, at the pistol intro to pistol class and all that. And it it was entertaining some of the people there that didn't understand. Like there was a family there. When I say family, wow. like the parents, the kids, really? their spouses. <laughs> oh, wow. Like it, it was a whole family affair. It was like a whole family. And then me and one other guy. So long story <laughs> short. <laughs> When they got together for Christmas, they said, y'all, we need to get ready. 
<laughs> well, the thing was like, so I mean, the the intro to uh-huh. Pistol Class and that, right? It was uh-huh. forty bucks, nothing crazy. Oh, nice. Okay, nothing crazy. But a, as we're going through, those who were kind of anti-gun, you know, who had no idea how any of it worked and everything, they like they they were like, oh, so there is safety built in. It's not just uh, indiscriminate killing machine thing. They were anti-gun going into it. Like they're pretty, they're a couple pretty against it. Yeah, like the the spouses. I think yeah. I think I think a lot of people that don't have any desire to learn about it until they have to, kind of see it as that mindset. They're just yeah. kind of look at it as like. Yeah, and the parents kind of kind of force them into going because they're like, "Oh, we're all going. We're all going to do this." Nice. And okay. and as part of the as part of the class, you shoot fifty rounds on the range. Okay, that's included in the class. So, anyways, I took the advantage of that mm-hmm. to go to my mom's house afterwards, where Zena yeah. was. Yeah, my mom. As I walk in, I you know I put the target down. I was like, "Yeah, I did all right." And she's like, "What were you doing?" <laughs> Bang, bang. You know, and I explained to her what's going on, and uh, I grabbed my bag, I put it on the table, you know, and I start taking stuff out. I'm, I was like, you know what? Just to pull the rip the bandaid off, I'm just going to clean it in front of her real quick. Yes. <laughs> now, that boy that went from I hate guns to as I told you both, you know, from my mom going, well, I'm going to buy you 500 rounds in a couple hours on the range <laughs> for your birthday. That is crazy. I mean, it, 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 it honestly is one of those things to where you don't have to. And I never want somebody to have to do something they feel uncomfortable about. Yeah. But the phrase is don't knock it till you try it. I mean, kind of stands true <laughs> with it. I mean, two point. I, I hope I never have to use it in a defense situation. Oh, I hope yes. I never have to. Either. Um, same. And I'm not, I'm not carrying it to try to like, for example, my, um, I can carry instructor. He said, if you're walking down a street and you see some people coming towards you, I don't care where they're from, what they look like. If your gut tells you that you might run into trouble, you cross the street before you interact with them. Right. Because if you walk into them and something happens and you have to pull out your firearm, if the jury is able to piece together or if the prosecution is able to piece together that you knew you're going into a potentially a sticky situation because your gut told you, that is just one more thing against you. Right. And in essence, you're not uh. caring to employ justice. That's the cops and that's the justice. That's your judicial systems. Right. And, and, in, Wisconsin, and in Wisconsin, Wisconsin is a must-flee state. Yeah, sadly. Uh, so if... Oddly enough, as much gun pro we are, we're still a flea state. So, yeah, right. Wisconsin's an interesting in that regard. Wisconsin is a shall issue concealed permit, but a must flee. Whereas, Which, Ca- I mean, California, it, they're a may issue state. So, I, I know I had, oh, I talked with Aaron about the may, difference. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming you know the difference between a shall issue and may issue states, right, Josh? They have the, they reserve the right to may in a sense, issue yep. that right. It, they don't see it as a constitutional right. They see it as a, the state chooses. Well, in California's case, it's your local sheriff that chooses. And I've actually seen some situations with that to where they don't give you a yes or no. What they do is they literally hold your, um, your request on file for months and months on end. And they literally tell you, I mean, there's videos out there on YouTube and stuff. Um, of people going into the sheriff's department and they're like, ah, yeah, well, uh, 
I it's still on a review. I was like, it's been on a review for six months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still on a review. Can I talk to the the sheriff or the superintendent uh, or somebody? Nah, they're all out for the day. I can give you. I I can let them know, and they they may call you. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where it's just like. It, it it's sad because let's put it like so, so I I remember watching a thing on YouTube. And I like to quote YouTube a lot because there's a lot of stuff that the YouTube algorithm still has yet to figure out on how to silence, which is good. But YouTube didn't hear that from me. Somebody, Aaron knows, there will always be bad people in the world. Oh, yeah, I do know that. It's possible to have good people. And there will be good people that went through good processes that waited to get their rights, let's say, elevated because in a sense all three of us have elevated rights and we don't have that comes with elevated responsibilities correct and even people with elevated rights i wouldn't call it elevated rights you're exercising your rights that are guaranteed to you by the constitution you just have an official license to be able to do it in a state where there are restrictions because wisconsin you can open carry yes but if you wanted to conceal carry aka have your gun loaded in the vehicle yeah, because you can't conceal, you can't open carry in the state of Wisconsin in a motorized vehicle to where you can have the firearm and ammo within reach. They have to be separated in a sense to where if you're in the driver's seat or any other position in the car, you cannot effectively reach it and load it to be able to point it out the window. That's illegal. Yeah. So in a sense, we in a sense do have an elevated right because uh, nobody's saying you can't. Now the question is, if you're no, nah, obviously Amish wouldn't. Maybe Amish would do it. If you're in a horse and buggy, that's is that considered a motorized? Is that considered a a vehicle, aka a motorized vehicle? Well, not motorized. But... I mean, but I mean, I don't, I don't know the specifics on it. Can you have your firearm locked and loaded? Yes, because I'm sure we're all concerned about a horse and buggy shootout. GTA 5 with horse and buggies. Okay, for those of you who don't know, for those of you who don't know, back in the day, the phrase shotgun originated from the person who who sat next to the driver of the carriage. They held a shotgun. They held a shotgun, a.k.a. the what we call navigator position these days, because if it was Indians or if it was robbers, their responsibility was to protect the people in the carriage. What if they were Indian robbers? <gasps> That's like the worst scenario you could possibly okay. have. Anyways, go on. Then you need a fifty caliber Barrett uh, sniper rifle. Yeah, because that existed that... Back in the day, where they that would be commonplace. Have you seen uh, the movie Aliens versus Cowboys? No. Oh my! You gotta watch. The don't movie. waste your time on it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> pass. Anyways, um, continue on with your but, comment. Yeah, I mean, we innocents have okay. So from the standard of what the state allows, we innocents do have an elevated right. I would. I would. I, I would say permission, not right. But yeah. Anyways, okay, go on. That's it, it's we, verbiage. We have the ability to do something because of what we have done that most people can't. Well, unless they do what we've done. So do they just don't choose go, go to, to a do. two and a half hour class? Yeah. I know as simple as that that's kind of freaky, almost. But yeah, yeah. There's some states that require like 
18 hour classes over like two or three days. So this is where I'm like for and I'm also against it. Okay. You're you're for Anything... and against the constitutional carry. Okay. So well, okay. So constitutional carry, being able to carry, you know, that's that's just it. But I'm talking about concealed carry. Okay. Okay. So in a sense, I I think there was a town in Georgia. This is sort of outside the concealed carry. But this shows the power of the Second Amendment. There was a town in Georgia, I believe, that had implemented that every every single house in this town, unless they chose to apply not to, had to have a firearm in the home that everybody could operate. Okay. And what they found is as people that they had interviewed and stuff that had tried breaking into the houses, they found that their house robberies went from nighttime to majority daytime. And they found that crime overall went down over the next few years. And when they interviewed people who performed house robberies and stuff, they said, why are you going towards the daytime? And the robbers said, because it's not worth going at night when I could get shot. And during the day, everybody's at school and work. So it's like, if I'm going to rob a house, I'm going to rob it when nobody can use a gun. And that was the mindset on average that they found with these robbers, kind of proving the, the effect. And again, the gun isn't designed to kill. There are plenty. All right. Long story short. Hunting rifles, for those of you who don't know, are much more effective at eliminating a target than 9mm handguns, 45mm handguns, and AR-15s calibrated in 223 or 556. For those of you who don't know, 223, 556 is the caliber and the AR-15 that is used in most mass shootings that the media reports on. So, therefore, your chances of dying from that caliber are much much you have a more likely chance of dying by falling on a staircase than you do of being shot by an ar-15 for those of you who don't know that look that up that's actually proof of statistic but it looks scary josh yeah it looks very scary i know <laughs> you should paint it pink then it doesn't look as scary then it looks welcoming yes but anyways Thank you. but anyways continue um, on so what they found is they found that actually arming the households with with sh with whatever gun they chose I don't know if the stipulation or whatnot, but what they found is it created an equal playing field because these people, you got to remember everybody, if somebody is a criminal, whether or not they abide by the law and then one day decide to not abide by it, when people make a decision to do something that's wrong and they follow through with it, they're a criminal, okay? If they are looking, and that's, I'm not going to go down that road. Um, if they, let's say the law says, do not carry a firearm into the movie theater. But they've already wanted to go into the movie theater because they're angry and they want to shoot people up. What is that sign going to do? It's going to stop Paul, me, and Aaron from carrying our concealed carry in that movie theater. That's what it's going to stop. It's not going to stop the bad guy that is worried about a stinking plaque. He's going to go in shooting up. He's going to go in shooting up. Regardless of a week before he was a concealed carry, law-abiding citizen, the matter of fact is there are guns in the country. The yeah. matter of fact is there are bad people with guns before the good people have turned bad. 
Regardless of due process, people can get their hands on firearms in the country. And there are plenty of states that sit there and, like, for example, the state of Wisconsin, if you didn't know this, I myself, I could take my firearm and yep. I can look at Paul and I can look at Aaron and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to sign one over to Paul. I'm going to sign one over to Aaron as a gift. In the state of Wisconsin, we don't have to report that. We don't have to do a legal background check. Do I necessarily say that more has to be done? No. Is it a bad thing if more stuff is put into place to prevent illegal transferships of firearms? No. I mean, I mean, I, 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 I'm, well, let me put it like this. Would it be bad if we implemented something else? No, it wouldn't be bad. Would I be against it? No, I wouldn't be against it. I'd like to know that if I'm transferring a firearm off to somebody or if I'm selling a firearm or if I'm gift gifting it to somebody, I know for sure they're not a criminal because then I don't get interrogated by the ATF, ATF and whoever else. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, nothing stops anybody from getting something, turning around and being destructive. I mean, everybody in the state of Wisconsin saw what happened at the Waukesha Parade. Somebody took their car and decided to run people over. Yeah. Claiming that they were running from cops. But if you do enough digging, you'd find out that their rap Facebook page, they actually were for, uh, put it like this. If you can find it, you'll see it, and you'll go, whoa, this is something the media is not reporting. Long story short, they actually probably planned what they were doing, but the media doesn't want to bring it into the picture because it goes against the main narrative. Do some digging yourself. I encourage you to try to find it. If you can find it, I'm pretty sure Google and everybody has. Because what was it, like two or three days after that incident happened, Facebook took down their rapping profile page. Which makes perfect sense because they oh, were yeah. just involved in a crime in that. I, I had uh, classmates that were following it. Um, they found it right away. You could identify the guy in his, in his rap videos and yada, yada, yada. You could see the lyrics. You could see the comments he was making. And then three days later, it was gone. Okay. And um, the media wasn't reporting on it. And the media never dug into it. That's the surprising thing. Well, it doesn't, they, fit, it doesn't fit the narrative. Oh, I. But again... Going off the spec, up, it doesn't matter what tool you're using. You can inflict harm any way you want. Yep, be it Aaron's truck or a dumpster truck, if or you're Aaron's a drumstick. Guy. I'm thinking of those big, huge drumsticks back there. Or yeah. what apparently recently happened in China? There was a uh, um, the I don't know which China. China is always suspicious. Um, but uh, if you guys haven't heard heard about it, there was a airliner that apparently did a nosedive towards Earth and crashed into Earth, and China is possibly looking into it as a being a pilot suicide scenario. Oh, well. it was a full fledged Boeing airliner. I can't remember it was seven thirty seven or what, but uh, apparently it did a nosedive towards Earth and took everybody on board. Interesting. Uh, but so then again, it's China. So let's look at some statistics because statistics are always fun. Statistics are what uh, the narrative hates. They're kind of annoying to go into. But Why are they annoying to go into? Because if you don't believe in them, they can prove you wrong. Well, you these know? statistics are, well, let's see here. From the, uh, let's see here. The FBI <laughs> on their crime anyway. statistics. <laughs> so 
let's talk about first about the entire U.S. population, right? Okay. The entire United States population, on average, when these this data was uh, compiled and everything, right? There were three thousand eight hundred thirteen crimes per hundred thousand people. They're they're not kids talking about gun only crimes or serious crimes or whatever. They're just talking so crime in general. Aaron stole a a pizza from Quick Trip. That'd nice. be a crime. Okay. And you didn't share it, which is actually another crime. Okay. Oh. So that so of the entire US population, three thousand eight hundred and thirteen crimes. Out of a thousand. Per hundred thousand. Oh, per hundred thousand. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't hear the hundred part. Okay. Like, now we look at all that, right? Realize in the United States there are sixteen point three million permit holders. Okay. Concealed carry permit holders. Yeah. Across the various states. Okay. In the time range that this data was compiled, there were seven hundred and three crimes per year committed out of those 16.3 million by permit holders. Of those 703, 113 of those involved firearms. Wow. The numbers are going down Are you quite saying, a bit. wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. I know, that's why I started with the general population. All right, 3,813 so. per 100,000. Just crime in general. No, it's not specifying like. Wait, so 300 and. 18,013 crimes per 100,000. People. So we'll just say 3,000 crimes per... Almost 4,000. Almost 4,000 crimes per 100, the, of which is, an, in a sense, saying a 4 to 10 ratio. Th- that's just in generic, you know, everyday population. Okay. Total U.S. population. You take a look at the, the specific population for CCW permit holders, 16.3 million people hold a permit of some sort. Out so of 350 to 430 million people. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Of those 16.3 million, 703 crimes, not per 100,000 or per thousand. Just, wow. And then 113 of those 703 involved firearms. Goodness. Thousand? <laughs> no. No, no, no. These 100. 113. 113. Not thousand, not 100,000. 113. That's crazy. 703 is 703. Under 1,000. Of the 16 million? million. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't know why I'm having, maybe it's because I don't have food. Maybe it's because I'm tired. All right. Uh, so you have four out of 10 people are in a situation of crime. Right. Okay. There's 16 million. Well, it, it'd be four uh, out of a hundred. Four yeah. out of a hundred. Well, here, let's, let's do math here. Right. 4,000 divided by four by a hundred thousand. Right. Yeah, that's four out of... Um, uh, that is four. Four out of 10? It's 4%. 4%. 4%. of the population is involved in some sort of crime situation. Right. Okay. And then for the concealed carry side... There's 16 million permit holders. Yep. No, that's not including people that open carry. Right. These are people that have permits. Permits... And that may not be every single state reporting every single permit holder. Certain states may have certain restrictions to have a permit that's reportable. So it could be a little higher. It could be a little lower. So 16 million. Yep. And so you're saying so. And so it's 4.3 blah, 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 E to negative five. So you got to move that decimal point. Mm-hmm. So four zeros before it hits the four. 
Yes. Wow. Percentage involved concealed permit holders involved with some sort of crime. Wow. Oh, That's, so the yeah. chance that you will, Aaron or I are going to be involved in some sort of crime where we actually have to effectively use no, them. no or like you're committing, committing a crime. Oh, so you you we're, go bad. We're law bad. Yeah. So and it, and that and that's not even involving firearms. That's you go and you steal. Yeah. And the but the, firearm may never even be within a mile, two miles, three right. miles of you. So of those seven hundred and three, then of oh, those yeah, seven hundred three people that commit a crime, then right, they're concealed carry permit holders. A hundred and thirteen of those seven hundred and three involve a gun. That's wow. close to nothing. Yeah, that's wow. that's incredible. I didn't realize it was that low. Yeah, so that's I'm glad it's that low. Oh, yep. me. I, yeah. So you you look at that right, and then they have another statistic: the number of police that commit some sort of crime per hundred thousand is a hundred and three crimes per hundred thousand officers. hundred three crimes per hundred thousand. Sure, tell me. <laughs> You're telling me police are more dangerous than armed civilians. Potentially, you know, you always have to also take into account that police officer might not be willing to turn in a fellow police officer as well. So there might be a little bit more or but at the same like time, that. too, police are also walking into situations to where they are more likely to be in a dangerous situation than yeah. that of a concealed carry. Yeah. I, I, I am not trying to belittle anything that they do. They are doing no. everything that they need to do and everything. And yeah, you look at some of these statistics and it's amazing when you kind of look at everything and I'm kind of jealous now. There's some states where you can buy lifetime permits. Lifetime permit? I'm moving where? <laughs> <laughs> so they cost a little bit more, obviously, okay. because you have to, you have to buy out and pay out for those lifetime permits. Uh, so you could go and buy a lifetime permit in Indiana. Ooh. Louisiana and Tennessee. All right, I'm moving to Tennessee. There, so there you go. And then the cheapest place is Alabama, $5. Oh my gosh. For a lifetime permit? Uh, no, for- oh, I was uh, like, what? For, for a, a license. Oh, okay. $5 for a license. Uh, we could easily jump into another topic, but I'm really refraining myself from jumping into that topic. Good boy. So- I I'm, really I'm, want to jump into it. Oh, what's what's what's, what is the what's the topic? It's a different topic. What is it? That's for another episode. Okay, then shut up. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, what I find interesting: Wisconsin has just under four hundred thousand active permits, concealed carry permits. Oh, okay. You want to guess what state has the most? Texas. No. Uh, what is a permit again? A concealed carry permit. New York City. That has the most. Not that costs the most, that has the most. State. Florida. No. Okay, you say Florida, you say? I'm just going to go for the big state and say Texas. But Texas is third. Texas. Oh, oh wait, wait, I'm wait, sorry. Wait. They're second. All right, all right. Okay. What's third? I'm just curious what's third is. Third is Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Interesting. What's first? Florida. Is it really? Florida has 2.1 million concealed carry permits issued. Wow. Speaking of which, there was a there was a study done and there was like uh I want to say it's down in Florida. I can't remember. I I hate this. I, I really do. 
I sit there and I find out and I could try to do a quick research, but by the time it comes to me speaking, I'm not able to pull it up or I can't find it like I did through the normal channels. There was one thing I found probably a year and a half ago I found and I was like, holy crap, this condenses so much information into one spot and now the website's not existent. Like literally the website does not exist, which tells me somebody took it down or somebody took it off Google. I can't find it. I even had what it. What was it? I had it in my bookmarks. Oh. And it's not there. What? I don't know how that happens. What was it? That or the people who own the site just didn't pay the renewal fee for the domain name. Ooh. It could be that easy. Possible. But it was... Um, nice. It's pretty much everything that the Democrats have done dirty since the beginning of the country. Long story short. Oh. Um, and it was literally a compilation with actual facts and and, and proof of, you know, based on party votes and stuff like that, showing what they were and weren't for. And I was like, holy crap. You know, and that was literally, I literally typed in um, dirt on Democratic Party. <laughs> I was just curious. And I found that and I'm like, holy crap. And I typed in dirt on Republican Party. And I probably spent twice as long looking for dirt on the Republican Party than I did the Democrat Party. And I was like, holy crap. Like, the Republican Party was built to be the opposition of the early Democratic Party. Long story short, nowadays it's going to take you a lot more research to figure out that dirt. But uh, you, you do know that you could probably go back to the who, uh, Wayback Machine, enter in that URL, and pull up that site. I don't know the URL. You said you have it bookmarked. It's not bookmarked anymore. It's probably in your bookmarks, just lost. <laughs> I saved it. Maybe it is. I hope it is. But anyways, so um, so any other comments on concealed carry then? Concealed carry, I love it. I because so this is this is this is kind of where this is kind of where I sit there and I'm like I'm for it, but I'm against it. And I'm kind of a hypocrite on myself. I'll be on 100 honest with you because during a pandemic, I honestly don't even think I went. Once over a course of a year and a half, pushing two years, I went to the range. Mm -hmm. But then again, during that time, I really did not carry next. I carried next a little. Okay. Next. Um, but then recently, the last within the last three months, I probably went in a sense once a month. I can't even remember how many times I've went to the range. Yeah, I mean, once we went back to back twice. with you, and then once we went with Paul and Amy. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking at going at least once, maybe twice a month now. Um, and I looked at it, I was like, you know what? It's worth it. I'm just going to buy the membership because. Yep. Yeah, at that point, you may as well. Um, and uh, if they get that uh, archery store set up here soon, they may be expanding their range to adding more lanes because they have no need for putting the archery range in the main building if they got that secondary building. Yeah. Maybe they'll want to do the VR shooting training oh, in those gosh. extra range lanes. <laughs> I mean, they do offer that, by the way. In all honesty, wow. any training is better than no training. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the one one reason why I'm partly against people with CCLs is I do know some people that have gotten a CCL and feel like, oh, well, I have this right and I have that right. And I'm just thinking to myself, can you even aim? And that's where I say I'm a hypocrite myself because during the pandemic, I really did not go part of the aid because I didn't have that much ammunition, but at the same time too, it was expensive. 
Yeah. Really, really expensive. Thanks. Thank, uh, I, I was talking to a buddy at work and I was like, yeah, my new hobby is expensive. <laughs> and, and that's where I've kind of thought to myself. Somebody told me, it's like, you can't put an expense on life. And I'm like, you make a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> to a point, I, yeah. So, I mean, I look at them like it's essential, you know, getting, you know, the safe at home and all that. I have to get a car safe still. I got one. I just got one recently just because of school and stuff like that. So technically in the state of Wisconsin, look it up yourself, but technically in the state of Wisconsin, what was it? They were looking, I think it was Wisconsin that was looking at passing a bill that allows you to be on school grounds, not entering the building, but allows you to be on school grounds with a concealed carry, AKA being a parent picking up your child. Interesting. I haven't heard that one yet, but I'm sure that will get a lot of controversy if it, even sees a live day but again you can't enter the building in a sense like for example i think concurrently if you're so on the street that borders the school and you get pulled over you can get arrested for concealed carry it, it, it depends is, is it in- is it school ground or not if it's school ground yes if it's not school ground and when they even mean the streets that belong to the school which how do streets belong to school? If the streets are government owned, in land. a sense, they all belong to school. Yeah, but they're school zones. I, so. I was told that school zones are represented by a thousand feet off of the edge of the school property, yeah. which <laughs> that's a lot of streets. So the only exceptions to that are if you, let's say you live across the street from the school. In your house. No, you could be on your yard still. Oh yeah, that's your private property. Yeah. So yeah. you could do that. So, But the idea behind it is, you know, if somebody's coming to pick up the kid, and they got out on them. You, you in a sense, can't. It's unfair to make them park a block away to pick up their kid. Or you park a block away and put your gun away. But the one exception yeah. is by having your gun in a locked compartment other than your glove box, because that's not considered a locked a compartment. So right. that's where I ended up getting a, a car safe. It's not really. Let's put it like this. As long as it is in a spot that is lockable, that's what matters. And somebody at school was saying a terminology locked by the Supreme Court, Wisconsin Supreme Court has been even specified by something that has been zipped. There you go. In a sense, something that is not easily seen and easily grabbed with immediacy, I think is the intent of it. Because, obviously, most... Car safes are slid underneath the seat and there's safes cabled to the seat themselves. So unless you come in chopping off the cable and running, then you have to pry open the safe to get the fire. At that point, if somebody's wanting to do something, it looks suspicious by that time. Yeah. But part of me is against people with concealed carry because if they sit there and like, oh, but I got a concealed carry. I don't need to do any training. It's like, I have definitely learned over the last few years that training is absolutely worth it. And I am in the process of possibly doing not only trauma classes, but pistol defense classes, trying to find those in the state of Wisconsin. I say, Illinois. I, I can, I, I have, a, well, I don't know if you, are you part of the USCCA? I am a part of the They ha- Go to their directory. Yeah. They have that. And that's something I got to look into, I, but I'm also looking for. Um, I don't know about trauma classes. But that's the other thing. I'm looking for trauma classes because uh, one poor person made a, a good point. If you can cause a bleed, you should have a, you should have every responsibility to potentially stop the bleed too. Yeah, that was interesting in my class because legally you're required to render aid if, um, and the, the wording is if safe to do so. 
Yeah. And my, my instructor was like, it's like, honestly, he's like, I would not say it's safe to do so if like the person attacked you or whatever. Yeah. Oh, but if right. it was safe. But, was, if, but at if, the same time, I'm thinking like, I also don't want to have to be responsible for the person's death. <laughs> I mean, at the Shoot same time too, if there's a striped bullet that goes flying. Yeah. That's always a chance. That's always a chance. Especially the farther distance that you get away from somebody, if the attacker's hitting you from 15 feet, 25 feet, a straight bullet can easily hit a bystander. That's the reality of the situation. Again, I hope I never have to pull my gun and point it at a human being. I don't ever want to. But at the same time, too, if that bullet hits somebody, or let's say not even you, let's say you're a concealed carry holder yeah. listening, and not even you pulled your gun, but somebody else pulled their gun, wouldn't you want to know that you can save somebody's life? I would rather know that I could walk into this scenario without my concealed carry firearm. I could, I, I, I may not even be strapping at all. But if I walk into a scenario, I'd like to know that I can at least contribute to somebody's life and be able to save it. Because ultimately, all you have to do is slow the bleeding and or stop it until paramedics arrive and then they take over. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at that, what you're talking about, Wisconsin legislature and the school zone thing. I don't know how they're going to pass that since that's a federal law that would override it. I don't know. That's something. But yeah. So you got that. Um, all the, all if you got a concealed carry or even an open carry, if you carry your firearm, you do, you, I think of the word. You take on a lot of responsibility you do, and, and you and take on a lot of, um, also, it's not even just responsibility. You got to be a little more critical of every situation that you're involved in. Uh, one of the things that was definitely brought, and he, he said, is you have to analyze every situation and look at it from the perspective of how was I involved in this and was I involved in such a way that could be construed that I uh, contributed to the situation that it's in? Because if you are, there goes your self-defense. Yes, I guess the biggest picture is to, if you're looking at, like, I was thinking about it when I was in Milwaukee one night and I pulled up to a stoplight and I'm like, if I get a car that comes in front of me and a car that comes in behind me and they're looking at carjacking me, I may not even know how many guns I got pointed at me, but at that point, put your hands up, walk out of the vehicle. If you got your gun on, you put your hands up, walk out of the vehicle because if they just want your car, Yep. They and in give them the car. Give yeah, like seriously. Well, they, in, give, in, give in, in Wisconsin, you have to. Otherwise, because the Castle Doctrine doesn't apply to your vehicle outside of your home. All I have to say, if you're a female and you're about to get car robbed, here's the situation: if you got more people than one person looking at you, I mean that's your call. But if you're a female and you're about to get car robbed. You cannot evaluate fast enough if you're getting car robbed or if you're about to get grabbed into sex trafficking. I think that's a no-brainer. If point. if you feel for fear for your, your life, life, you have the ability to employ employ self defense. Georgia, if you hadn't looked, is they're actually they just passed a law. They sent it to the governor to allow carry of concealed guns without licensing at all. Yeah, I've heard about that. A few states doing that. Yep. More and more are starting to do that as, again, constitutional carry. So for that, it, without any license or anything, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, from a standpoint of um, going back to the 
right to bear arms. Mm-hmm. You see, the sad thing is, is parties will choose to dissect any sort of amendment to be able to benefit their agenda, their narrative, their bills that they're writing in any way possible, which is sad. At the end of the day, no country that founds itself, in my opinion, with my limited history knowledge, okay, which is greater than some people. Why in the world, as a founded new country, would you write in the ability of being able to allow the body of the civilization in which the country employs to have the right to bear arms, in a sense, in essence, gives them the ability to overthrow the government? I mean, all throughout history, uh, you have Venezuela, Australia, um, Germany, World War II. When good citizens turn in their arms, they lose them for good. Yeah. And there are many more, many more countries besides that. It's just like, why would the founding fathers create that if the intent wasn't for them to carry it to protect themselves from a tyrannical government, which is exactly what they were running from? They were running from a king. A sole dictator that dictated everything. Now let me put you, well, let me put it like this: Are there disadvantages to every single scenario out there? Absolutely. Yeah. Guns, guns out there in the mass allow people to use guns for chaos. Yeah. Cars in the mass allow cars to be used for chaos. That actually, be an interesting stat. How many more people are killed by car accidents a year versus guns? So I have a question for you. Go for it. So when we were talking about abortion. You said you didn't like the Texas abortion law because it creates snitches, right? Yes, snitches for the Texas one. Okay, yeah, right. I wasn't a fan with the fact that it was trying to. Right, right. Let me finish here before you continue on, okay? Because anyone can go back and listen to your talk about that. Okay, so in California, they actually introduced a law in February. Basically doing the Texas abortion ban snitching law, but with guns. Uh, They introduced a bill that would allow private citizens to sue anyone who manufactures, distributes, transports, imports into state or sells. Now, here's the key part about it. It's not just any gun. Assault weapons, in quotes, because you need to define that, or so-called ghost guns. All right. Let me tell you this. The whole ghost Uh, gun thing, even New York's doing it too. It's absolutely stupid. Absolutely stupid. Okay, continue on. Why? Okay, here's why ghost guns, the ghost gun bill is absolutely stupid. What was it? I think it was Maryland. A guy traveled to New York. Yeah. Maybe it was Pennsylvania. Okay, so a guy traveled from one state to another. A guy traveled from one state to a eastern state to sell some other dude a bunch of firearms, and the ATF caught him. Okay. Okay. And it's not necessarily that what he was doing was illegal. Besides, I think one or two things, maybe I'm wrong. But anyways, I was doing a business. Whether or not it was sketchy, whether or not it was through standard process, procedure, practice. He was a businessman. And some people are like, what? What what do you mean? Okay, so an entrepreneur is somebody that finds any and every single example that they buy. Well, an entrepreneur is somebody who finds any and every possible example path to create money 
plain and simple. Regulations, keep them within a certain parameter. Like you got, uh, believe there is or not, you got actual scammers in the United States that are scamming not only you with those crappy phone calls, but elderly people because they actually believe blank banks get to do it. Literally, there's a whole documentary on it. They believe banks are doing exactly what they're doing, except they're doing it legally. And they're like, well, if they can do it legally and they and the system works for them that way, then why can't I do it illegally? It's a really skewed mindset. Um, they're like, why can't I scam people out of their money if banks can do it legally because they were a part of the system? That's their mindset. People literally have that mindset. But here's how the whole ghost thing, gun thing isn't going to work. Tell me. Okay. Unless you have this AI that is in every single 3D printer, every single engineering software that is able to detect any backhack. Okay, so first off, in order to make the whole ghost gun thing actually worth it, in a sense, um, and apparently was it April 1st, the ATF regulated that upper receivers on AR-15s get stamped because currently up to this point only lower receivers were stamped okay and what that means is in order to get a lower receiver or the lower half of the gun where the trigger and the grip is for those you don't know you had to go through a gun store and get a background check and yada yada yeah but the upper part where the barrel and the loading mechanism was that you could have shipped right to your front door and the goal behind it was is you can buy as many upper receivers if the gun is possible, you can't do anything with them because you don't have the trigger mechanism in the lower part of the gun. But since ghost guns came out, that allows for people like us three or you yourself to buy a 3D printer, buy a CAD program, and actually 3D print the whole entire lower receiver so you never had to buy it. Then... Any, uh, so you also know that any uh, purchase that is made at a gun store is actually reported directly to the ATF. Um, and the ATF is the governing body, for those you don't know, that monitors tobacco, firearms, explosives, yep. alcohol, yada, yada, yada. They're, they're, in a sense, the policing agency of that. Uh, so the lower receiver is used to pull the trigger, which strikes the bullet. Without the lower receiver, you just have a bunch of metal. Well, ghost guns allow you to print a lower receiver to pull the trigger to fire the bullet, which in a sense, it makes sense. You know what I mean? It's like if people can do it all the time, bad guys can do it too. But who cares about laws? Good guys following the laws. Us three right here, we care about the laws because we don't want to walk into the, we don't want to disobey the laws. Mm -hmm. We don't walk in. We don't want to walk out of the law. We don't want to walk into a scenario to where our standard day of life can be jeopardized because we're not following the law. But guess who doesn't care about the laws? Any person who wants to commit a crime, period. That's, see, that's what just mind blows me about politicians is each party could sit there and completely obliterate each other based on those statements of a criminal doesn't care. The only people that are going to care about law-abiding citizens. So in essence, when well, 3D printing technology came about, and as 3D printers become more and more and more advanced to the point where they can be more and more detailed, 
There is no way that you can govern ghost guns out of criminals' hands. It is impossible unless you completely destroy the 3D printing. Well, because and you're only- talking about just the 3D printing side. You can go, like, I'm at this website right here, which probably is going to get me, well, no, it's going to get Aaron flagged uh, and his family flagged, right? I can buy a fully polymered frame, 80% frame. Yeah. Already assembled. I just would have to buy the uh, top parts, obviously. But for one forty nine for a Glock. Yeah. It's called a Glock 80. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, so, right now you can buy this and then, yeah, 3D printing, that's going to be a whole other thing. And people are like, oh, but 3D printing. Because but, all the pressure, a lot of the pressure is contained in the barrel. It's not in the receiver, the lower part. That's going to be so just fine. And so, then the question is uh, becomes, oh, well, why don't we regulate the upper part of the pistol, upper part of anything? In my opinion, the hardest thing to replicate would be the barrel. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to be you're not going to be able to 3D print that. Alloy. Huh? You're not going to be able to 3D print that at least with current no, tech. No, no, not not with current technology, not unless you have an actual metal printer. Even then you're going to need a very good metal printer, not just yeah. a uh cheapo one. That or you have a very 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 big barrel. Okay. Long story short for those who don't understand Think of a pipe, okay, a metal pipe, plumber's pipe, and it has an explosion that rains in the several tens of thousands of PSI, okay? It needs to be able to contain that, so that's very hard for anything modern day to do without the appropriate metal machining, forging, alloying materials. There's a lot that goes into it. Everything else on a gun is not that hard to make. But the reliability on that, that's a different story. But in other words, if a criminal wants to build something, they can build something. And even if the government puts in place that uh, there needs to be certain software designed to detect the creation, report the creation, and to stop the creation of different types of engineering stuff inside the software, a.k.a. to prevent it from being printed, all it takes is a back-end hacker to go in. I say us tech people will find ways around that easily. Oh, yeah. And that's the biggest thing we have to worry about in today's society is how easily technology can be reverse hacked because it is something that is always changing. Yep. Always. So as much as somebody creates something new, somebody understands how to find all the weak spots in it. And then when they figure out how to cover the weak spots. Somebody figures out how to go through all the areas that have been toughed up. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things. We don't understand. The only person at this table that can understand that in comprehension is Paul. But ghost guns, trying to ban ghost guns and not finding a way to enter them into the market effectively as a reality of this is our new situation is to me absolutely stupid. So, okay. Let me ask you this then. What would you say if you had to have a background check every time you bought ammo? Ugh. No. Then I'd be li- buying a lot of ammo every so often. California is, you, I, I'm trying to remember, if, and I'm trying to find the article, they're either trying to do it or it's already in place in certain areas. Do you have a background to, check every time you buy ammo? Yeah. Every time, Aaron. And I'd be buying it by the thousands. <laughs> They wouldn't allow you. They to probably that. wouldn't allow you to. It's just it'd they'd be, be like, like, you get one fifty round box per month. <laughs> yeah, probably honestly, because I mean, just walking into the 
store by us, it's like you can only yep. get so many at a time. Now, and, granted, that's per day. And California but. is right now in the process of introducing at least 24 more bills into gun for gun control. What <laughs> happened over in Sacramento recently? I don't know. There was a shooting or something like that. Yep, there was a shooting. Uh, at first, it was ca- called a mass shooting. And now it's called more of a gang violence shooting. Okay. Um, Someone actually converted... Uh, oh, I heard about that. Yep. Converted a pistol into full auto mode. It, the oh, news labeled okay. it a machine gun. Oh, my goodness. In quotes. Okay, so I put do? that in quotes. And what was it? I think I remember seeing their article, and they were like, machine guns shouldn't be allowed. And I'm like... What did he do to it? Well, hang on, hang on. I don't he, know. He, he modded it somehow. I he didn't, modded I, it somehow to allow it to, to cycle on its own without yeah. having to reset the trigger. Right. And... I was reading how they were talking about how they were doing it, and I'm like, I can't even do that with mine. What okay. the heck are they talking about? Yeah. They're talking about changing this portion or something like that. If I remember correctly, in the article, it was talking about changing that so where it just slides back and forth, and every single time it slid forth, it automatically slid the hammer forth. In a sense, igniting the next round. Yeah, yeah. It just do-do-do-do-do with one pull. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, Bleh. machine guns are illegal. No bill yeah. is going to prevent somebody from <laughs> making one. Yeah, from it, making one. It, and even our, even places like um, NPR and all that are going, hey, you know what? California already has the toughest U.S. gun laws. What else can lawmakers do? Seriously. Yeah. It's like you already have all this. And then they're like, the oh, so we're going to try to do like 24 to 40 more laws. Okay. Let me hang on. Hang on. Where did okay. they go to shoot? Uh, the Sacramento shooting? Yes. Where did they go? Where were they? Uh, I would have to go back and read that again, but it was, I think it was downtown Sacramento outside. Where did they, talking about like where did the, I guess, thing happened? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Where has most shootings in the United States of America, where have they happened? They have happened in areas of mass congregation. They have happened in areas that it literally says on the front door, weapons not allowed and has a picture of a firearm and a knife. Uh, that's schools. Yeah. That's movie theaters. That's parks. That's anywhere open to where you can't effectively react in a good enough time. I mean, uh, if somebody's shooting from, like the L.A. shooting, if something's shoot, shooting up from a, a window up in the, you know. L.A. shooting. Yeah. What was the L.A. shooting? Los Angeles uh, shooting. They were shooting from a hotel window. That was uh, wasn't Vegas. that Las Vegas? Yeah, that was Las Vegas. Was it Las Vegas? Yeah. yeah. All right, Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. Shooting from a hotel window. Into the concert. Into a crowd. Yeah. Con- and that was used with the two, two, three, five, five, six, and uh, a lot of people survived. He had a lot of guns. That's I what thought. they say. So, Yeah. It it just says that it was like on a, around a street corner area. So outside, see, this, this is this is the reality we live in. We live in a reality where people can do harm in any means necessary, and I hate to say it, a firearm is kind of the easiest way to do harm. But at the same time, too, I would rather have to live in a scenario where it is a uh, wild west. Then I have to live in a scenario like it is China. Because what I tell people all the time is, uh, let's say they're opposite of me, which traditionally is going to be 
Democrat. Um, I swing more Republican, but I'm absolutely willing to listen to your your points, and I'm absolutely willing to discuss it. Let's say you're Democrat. Okay. okay. You're listening. You believe more in Democratic views. Imagine if anything and everything about your belief of being Democrat liberal was illegal and it was punishable by death. Would you like to live in a society like that? They probably wouldn't. I wouldn't want them to live in a society like that. Yeah. I wouldn't. I mean, as a, as, as a Republican, I wouldn't want you to live to where your views and everything is constantly oppressed. I want to have discussions. I want to have back and forth. That's the only way for countries to survive is to have back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Once you go a certain direction long enough, you start going too far and it gets crazy and it gets far left or right, depending on which side you're going. And well, and it's not usually based on fact once it's set point. It's all no, on emotion. Yeah, it's all emotion or it's all specific ideology, even if there's no statistics that back it. And that's one of the things that's like, people are like, oh, well, you can't do this or your opinion is offensive or, or this. And it's just like, it's like, hang on, hang on. The only reason why you can say my opinion is offensive is because of the First Amendment. And I tell them, I say, if the GOP were to come out and say that we are going to be the next dictators of the world, I'd be like, ah, heck no, you're not. I mean, as much as I don't agree with all the stuff on the left side of the spectrum, I'd rather it literally be back and forth every four years than one party ruling for a hundred years. Yep, and you got one side that would not mind ruling for a hundred plus. I'm pretty sure both sides wouldn't mind ruling for a hundred <laughs> years, but one is making it very evident very quickly. Oh yeah, very much so. So and so that's kind of like just my stance on that. It's just like I don't know, I mean. So what, Aaron? Apparently that guy had twenty three weapons in his room from the Las Vegas shooting. Oh yeah, I remember the Las Vegas shooting was just crazy, just the number of things going on there it was kind of crazy I, uh, somebody broke down the percentage chance of you actually dying and it was like super low well i mean granted 50... getting hit anywhere with a bullet is a chance of having lifelong complications oh yeah i'm just saying but there was in a sense of life or death scenario he so they're saying that there was 58 people that but killing 58 people and wounding more than 422 others so probably, I wonder those 422 others others that were wounded was a result of direct from the gun wound or was it's, it due to probably, like trample and all that? And all that yeah, so that there's yeah. that that happens. Well, the the secondary fallout casualty. But shooting, it's saying firing more than a thousand rounds. That's nuts. Again, the full auto conversion. The, the, the bump stock thing. People will find a way to do it. Oh, no, regardless. Well, of I mean, the... let's put it like this. Even even if, let's say, everybody that was hit, this is I, 400. So 58 people died, right? Yeah. Divided by 400. How many people were actually? Well, it's 400 be... injured plus 58 dead. Well, yeah. there was more than 400 injured. But let's just say, how many people well, actually died from gunshot wounds versus being trampled? Because it's really easy to die from being trampled. Well, yeah, in a crowd like that, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is, so if you have 400 people that were injured, 58 people that died, um, you're literally looking at a 14.5% chance of dying from a situation like that. 
as that's actually really low and that's not even and yeah. i'm not trying to paint light of the situation i'm trying to paint the reality in which politicians choose not to paint because i know if they painted the actual reality of gun crimes and statistics it would backfire any push any belief any bill they tried to to push through okay so i have some more information here yeah uh from the shooting 58 there were 58 immediate deaths all those were gunshot wounds. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fifty-eight. Immediate. Yeah. There were total. They have accounted to uh, sixty-one deaths total, but fifty-eight that were like immediate. So you, were, those they were shot. They were shot. Those are definite shots. Okay. Approximately eight hundred sixty-seven people were injured. Four hundred eleven of them were gunshot or shrapnel injuries. Wow. So that is decent amount of people that were. Yeah. Um, unfortunately they don't tell you how many people were at the thing, you know? Before. Right. Well, it was, I mean, but there was a lot of people. Yes. But it's Vegas is a big concert, but it was still, so let's, let's still, let's take, uh, still a, a bad situation all so, around that occurred. Oh, absolutely. So I, I agree with that. Um, but you got to look at statistics. So 411 people, right. Were hit by. Shrap metal. Shrap, no, were injured by whatever, Good right? They some were degree. some sort of gun-related issue. Yeah. 60, so 58 people died immediately, and 61 people were dead at the end of it. So we'll just go ahead and give it a benefit of the doubt and say 61 people died due to the results of the, f- the bullets flying. Okay? okay? So if you add that number to the amount of people that were injured via the shrap, no, and the bullets and stuff, that brings it up to 472 people yeah. were affected. Okay. Yeah. Out of the affected people, 61 people died, which gives you a mortality rate of 7.7%. Okay. So in a sense, and that's not even putting that number, and this is where I get issue with the whole COVID uh, numbers relations. That gives you an example that only out of 472 people did you have a chance of dying. Now, if you put that into the amount of people that actually got injured, and then you put it into the amount of people that actually were there, it's probably even less. Yeah, but it's, it's just like, it's, it's just a mass chaos run to the exit, and unfortunately, yeah. people got hit, right? Either by other people or by metal, uh-huh. and whatever shape or form it took. Yeah. So, again, it's one of those things to where the media likes to paint it. Guns pointed at people is never a good thing. No, unless it's war. Even then, well, it's, it's, it's not, not a good thing. It's not good, but it's... No, but depending on the mindset of the enemy, it's sometimes not a bad thing. So, in 2017, yeah. there were 22,000 people approximately in attendance. 22,000? Yeah, at that festival. Four hundred, uh, Under 500 people actually got hit. A thousand rounds were shot. I'm willing to bet it was a lot more. Well, it said more than a thousand. Okay, more than a thousand. Yeah. So, because he did start off slowly with his shooting, like sing couple single bursts. Yeah. Um, it said, uh, okay, so at approximately ten o five p.m., he he it says he fired over a thousand rifle rounds. Yeah. Uh, he initially started off with a few single gunshots before before firing in bursts that usually range from. 80 to 100 rounds in each burst. Jeez. Many people mistook the gunfire for fireworks. Yeah. Until they were covered in 
Yeah. Well, until I saw people running and then they're like, wait, Frank, what's going on? Well, until I see people yep. dropping. The gunfire continued with some momentary pauses over the span of 10 minutes that and was... ended by 10, 15 p.m. That's crazy. In addition to shooting at concert goers, he fired eight bullets at a large jet fuel tank at the Harry Reid International Airport. Two of those bullets struck the exterior of the tank with one bullet penetrating. Yeah, the, that's not going to do anything. The fuel did not explode because jet Second. fuel is mostly kerosene. Yep. Wow. Uh, police officers were initially confused where the shots were coming from the Mandalay Bay, the nearby Luxor, or the festival grounds. Yeah. There are also multiple false reports of additional shooters at other hotels on the strips. Oof. It was eventually, uh, officers eventually spotted the flashes of the gunfire from the northern side of the Mandalay Bay and responded to the hotel by 10, 12 p.m. Well, yeah, so uh, that was, um, yeah, that was, uh, I remember that coming in the news. And even as a CCW holder, that's (laughs) far out of effective range for us. Oh yeah. Yeah. At that point you run. He was about 490 yards. Yeah. That's. that's, You're not hitting that. He, unless he's he's got something scoped. I was going to say, unless he's got something scoped in that room, he's shooting fish in a barrel he's he's not even within range yeah the the jet fuel tanks were about two thousand feet away from where he was wow yeah for those of you don't know if that was gasoline tanks boom Hmm. kerosene only ignites under heat and compression yep without that no boom. Gas goes boom just from a, the right amount of heat and fuel vapor. I'm going to throw Aaron's candle on that gas tank. And... But do you have any more comments on concealed carry, on guns in general, on gun laws, open carry, concealed carry, um, um, more states passing concealed carry now, it seems. I think we're I'm almost at 50% it. to yeah. open yeah. carry and constitutional carry, I should say. I'm not against the whole constitutional carry thing. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Okay, so you're not against it. Josh is against it, but not against it. Uh, well, let's put it like this. If you're going to do the do the do do the due diligence. Thank you. Um, and keep yourself up to date. And if you're not able to do a a size grouping at 5 yards, you got to figure out what's going on. An A size grouping? A size grouping. Oh, okay. Center of the chest grouping. Um Okay. Well, that just takes practice and time and to learn it. And and that's just it. If you can't do that, you gotta work on it at five at five yards. Um that's equivalent to fifteen feet. What was it? Most police interactions. Interactions with police officers that result in a lethal result usually take place anywhere between five to 25 feet because yeah. that's where fire uh, where pistols are the most accurate once you get out past 25 it starts to get really inaccurate and one or two shots is not going to guarantee anything i mean you can in all honesty you can un- you can unload an entire magazine if that's from seven rounds to 13 rounds or even up to 15 rounds and that the threat could still be coming towards you yeah um, and obviously as ccws the idea is to uh, fire what we need to to stop the threat. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I'm just not against the whole idea of the constitutional carrier. Just I'm not, but for the benefit of everybody around you, 
What's do what you the... can and get to the range. Oh, well. I... Be accurate with it. That's, yeah. Be but com- that's. I guess the biggest thing is be confident in your tool that you are using. Yes. Which, I again, yeah, obviously there's going to be those people that are like, oh, I can do it just because I can do it. They might not be good at it, but they can do it. Um, the, that's that's definitely the true case there. Yeah. There's definitely people I'd be like, before you carry, I think you need to go learn to aim. Like myself, I include myself in that. I need to learn how to aim better. But oh, now right. that I know that I'm left eye dominant, that explains a lot of things for me. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I, don't know, I, I'm not against it, but yeah, the thing is, I mean, you got to have people that you want people that are going to be going to be effective about it and responsible about it. Cause I mean, I guess the only reason I, I'm not against it is because of there's going to be people that are bad that want to use, do whatever they want to do. They don't care whether there's a law about it or not. That That's a good summary of putting it. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter, I guess, to me, to some degree, whether it's a law or not, because one way or another, people are going to do what they want to do, whether it's, yeah. Fair enough. Or not. So, I don't really care. <laughs> All right. All I know is I got mine. So, mm. there you go. Well, this has been an interesting um, couple weeks. Yes, uh, it has. We reintroduced Josh into the deep end where it was supposed to be one and a half hours, maybe to cover three to four topics. And it ended up being, and it ended up with this. It ended up with a couple mini cut extra things. And it ended up with a bonus thing of Josh going, what's your passion? What's your passion? I don't know where I was going. (laughs) I honestly don't. Yeah, I don't either. I forgot the whole thing leading up to that. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty sure if I listen dead. back to it, I'm going to go, oh. <laughs> oh, good. So the next time Josh is around, uh, Josh will now go, oh, this is what I want to do. Yep. And I guess we'll have to just kind of go phase it. into it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, Josh, thank oh, you, sir, is. for coming in. I'm looking down at the recorder time and um, the recording time says six hours, 45 minutes that we have been going at this straight. (laughs) My brain hurts. So that's why I took Tylenol. (laughs) Josh, thank you again. And um, I'm sure we will definitely talk to you soon. No, I won't. (laughs) I won't be. Oh my goodness. My head hurts. I was thinking that would take an hour, hour and a half. I forgot the Josh factor.